TIM Podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CIM podcast. And today we're talking about this ethereal thing called creativity. And there are few more creative than the editor of Catalyst herself, Morag Cudderford jones who will be known to many of you. Morag, welcome to you. Good to have you back on the show. Thank you, Ben. Nice to be back. You know, what, what is creativity? It's this thing we talk about in this industry an awful lot, isn't it? Is it, is it something tangible? Is it something we can actually get our hands on uh, and measure and manage? Or is it something a bit different to that? Um, I think you're right with the word ethereal. I think it's, it's very hard to pin down exactly what it is. I don't think it is a thing for a start. Uh, it encompasses a whole bunch of stuff. But I think if you wanted its essence, I'd say creativity is what excites people. Yeah. So that could be what a lot of us think creativity is in marketing terms, which is an advert that really piques your interest or gets you going or makes you smile, makes you cry, makes you angry even. Um, but creativity to me, so for example, I'm a writer. <laughs> Some might laugh at that, but that's generally the profession. Um, and I can get excited by a creative use of a word in a tweet. You know, something like that to me is creativity. It makes me honk like a loon out loud when I read it. I can't physically resist, you know, hooting or going, my God, that's a brilliant turn of phrase. I wish I'd come up with that turn of phrase. So that's something, that's something that excites me. It's something that creates this involuntary response of, that's just great. Creativity is in food. You know, everyone can eat a croissant, but a croissant is not just a croissant. A croissant, a beautifully executed, creatively made, creatively presented croissant is a whole different experience to one packaged in plastic from the supermarket. I think that's the difference creativity makes. It's flour, it's egg, it's laminated, and it's shaped like a crescent. But the creative element is the, the plus that you get out of it. It's what excites you about engaging with it if you're going to engage with a croissant. You've got this article in the new edition of Catalyst magazine, um, which I do commend to our audience. Um, I, I, mean, I, I read it and I came away a little bit worried, a little bit depressed, because it seemed to me that this most important thing, this thing that gives us the buzz, that gives us the excitement, that is so important to marketers and the marketing industry and to our audience, is being a little bit overmanaged and by that being a bit suppressed. Is that fair? I think it's fair to say that it's it's being suppressed in certain quarters, um, sometimes intentionally, because back to that ethereal thing, it's hard to pin down the slippery sucker. Um, but also, I mean, it's being championed as well. And it's being fought for. I got the impression, I wouldn't say I was depressed. This was a roundtable article where we got a, a whole bunch of um, senior executives together from CMOs to agency leaders together to talk this through, to talk about were they, was their creativity suffering? Was it being squashed by the higher ups or by other business priorities? And they agreed that they, they had to fight for it and they wanted to fight for it. Um, they acknowledged that it was hugely important, but it also raised a lot of the reasons why 
it is a struggle and it's a fight because it's hard to measure. It's often hard to explain. Um, it's hard to pin down. It's hard to find time for it. And it's hard to define how you go about putting it on your to-do list. What are you going to have in the morning? You're going to get in, you're going to go, right, we need the SEO metrics. We need to have the latest report on our PPC. And then between 11 and 12, we're going to do us some creative. Well, exactly. It's a bit like when you say the more you tighten your grip, the more it slips through your fingers. I, I sometimes think it it's something that just happens, isn't it? Creativity It's not something that you can manage in that way. And in fact, when you try to manage it, maybe, do you think, has the opposite effect? Well, it's interesting. Susan O'Brien, who's the CMO of Just Eat, um, tried to elucidate exactly this problem. Um, she told us that she was very precise about how she and her organization go about creativity. And that's clearly paying off. Um, I probably don't need to start singing it in my most terrible tone deaf voice, but I think everybody now knows the Just Eat jingles from the early, you know, chicken tikka masala ones to the now famous Snoop Dogg versions. They have really honed creativity. You know, you can just automatically see and feel and even taste the Just Eat brand through their creativity. And that is scientifically approached. You know, she's discussed with us how much, how, how hard and how much time she spends going into the brief. But then she also said that COVID had stuck a spanner in the works because it took away those moments of serendipity. Let's have a listen to that exclusive clip from Susan O'Brien at Just Eat. I'm one of those ones that spend ages writing a brief. And I'm so glad that it's not just kind of, you know, not just me that is, is taking time crafting briefs that take, I don't want to say months, but sometimes it can be months to get that brief right before you go, right, that's it. And it's always, you know, based on insight, it has to be. Um, and what what consumers are talking about and, and, and going around the business and kind of going, what do you think? And I, I really miss that, actually, now that we're in COVID, that you can't have those corridor type conversations. Everything's got to be formalised and you almost feel like you've you've got to have the answer because you're going into a meeting on Zoom or Hangout, whereas you, you, you're missing that collaboration, even with your own teams and, you know, um, other stakeholders around the business before you even get into the, the conversation with, with, with the agencies. It's quite interesting, isn't it, that she's saying the implicit formalisation that Zoom or Hangout meetings make means that you always have to have the answers there and then. And there's just not enough time for that iteration and throwing stuff up in the air. That really is a challenge, I think, for the industry. I mean, how do you suggest we get over that? Um, it is a really difficult one, and I'm not entirely sure we can until we can meet again in person. I think we can have a pretty good crack at it. And I think the losses from it from uh from a layman or from a consumer's perspective will be small to vanishing to not at all seen but i think it will be felt by creatives that they are working doubly hard and in a not in a suboptimal <laughs> phrase i've heard a lot of recently in a suboptimal way to get that creative out when the process would be perhaps easier more intuitive it's that mixture of art and science, isn't it? The serendipity and the formalization. So you can scientify something to death, but there's always that moment of little spark of genius, of coincidence, 
that just adds that je ne sais quoi. I mean, if you want to look at it, a real scientific example, look at what happened with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. Oh, yeah. So it was a moment of serendipity that they accidentally um, gave half the dose to a small oh, yeah. cohort yeah. and discovered through a moment of serendipity, this was not scientific planning. And people think that science means everything's planned. My husband's a scientist, I can tell you it very much is not. Um, but the discovery by accident rather than by design created a better product. Yeah. It didn't create one that didn't work before, but it has revealed something new. And we all need that little revelation, the cherry on, on the icing, as it were. I mean, even before COVID, though, I don't dwell too much on COVID because it, it does create limitations on our creativity. I think everybody accepts that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took from the piece, from the article, that even before we hit COVID, there was all, already too much over-formalisation of uh, creativity. There's this word, or this compound verb in there, which is this over-intellectualising of mm which goes back to proving dream value which as marketers we will know all about and that actually to quantify it to boardroom and prove value and to over intellectualize it in that way is having in some marketers uh, view the reverse effect i think so i mean it's it's trying to during the conversation we heard a lot of when they were tra- talking about trying to find the right idea and align it to all the business pressures you know we're about to spend a lot of money on a creative execution whether that's an ad whether that's digital site whether that's an event or a virtual event these are all creative things and they all require investment time money resources and they want to know that they'll work and the more creative in inverted commas it is the harder that is to prove before the fact And so, of course, the more you try and make it provable, the blander it becomes, because by definition, then it must become something that's a reflection of something that's gone before. And um, Dino Myers-Lamptey was very keen on saying, you know, you've got to be braver. Creativity requires bravery. It requires the out there idea, because if the idea isn't out there, it's been done before. Let's have a listen to uh, another exclusive excerpt from that roundtable, this time from Dino Myers-Lamptey at the barbershop. You know, I think there's a traditional agency problem. So, um, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, I think I think clients are, you know, kind of outsourcing creativity to um, to, to big agencies that say they've got it and they've, they've got the magic potion and buckets in the office. And, um, and I don't think that a lot of them have got the process all the people or the culture to produce truly creative standout work. Um, you know, I think that there's a detachment between strategy and creative a lot of the time. That means that strategy a lot of the time is, is backward engineered into the solution and the best idea on the table determined by that creative director, um, rather than it answering the actual strategy in the brief and the, you know, and the problem at hand. Um, and, and, and also it's, it's got to be deliberate creativity that is not just to win awards, but is to, you know, to, to solve problems and, and answer the, the brief. And I think that's a, that's a classic problem. The thing that really struck me in that was that he said that when there is a really zingy creative idea, what actually happens is that suddenly the strategy is reverse engineered to fit the idea rather than the idea meeting the strategy. And 
I wondered if there's a problem with that at all. I mean, if something's really creative and it excites and it entertains and it compels people to buy your project, why not let that lead the strategy? Well, it is funny, isn't it? Because it goes back to the idea of creative can excite you, but is it serving the purpose? So um, it's really interesting. I was, I've been following Burger King for some okay. time um, because, well, mostly because it's... Do you, do you eat Burger King? Or you? I love Burger King. I, I, love, I love all fast food equally. Okay. But I've been following its marketing for Other brands are, are available, of course. Yes, other brands are available. We're not the BBC, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but yes, I've been following... I've been following their marketing progress because Fer Machado, the, uh, the global CMO for a start, is incredibly vocal on marketing and creativity. And Burger King does all sorts of different executions, whether it's fantastic ads or being incredibly cheeky to its competitors, McDonald's. You know, it's done AR things where you can hold your phone up and set fire to a McDonald's ad with a, with a flame, flame grilled Burger King. Um, you know, they, they spend a lot of time and energy um, taking the mickey out of McDonald's and basically trying to um, to subvert all of McDonald's ads. But so they put a, a very great store on exciting, engaging, attention grabbing, creative. But they're still the number two burger brand. Yeah. Um, so creativity that grabs everyone's attention you know we've all been in that room where they've seen you've seen something fantastic it's either a great piece of art a fantastically rousing piece of music a fantastic turn of phrase and gone that's it that's great but at that point have you thought will that do what we want it to do and so I think that's what Dino is saying is that the problem is you can have great creativity that excites and this is where I've got to stick up a bit for the for the business and for the strategy and say creative ideas excite, but they do also have to do the job. And when you're reverse engineering something to fit creative, it's not because you've suddenly chanced upon the best idea in the room and all your problems are solved. I take from that that they've been struggling to find the best idea in the room and they found a great idea, and they're so desperate to have a great idea, doesn't matter if it doesn't fit. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, is that, does that come back to this issue? Of sort of, there's, a, there's this passage in the, in the article about this sort of, it doesn't use this term, but it, it, it talked to me about the siloing of creativity, is that actually there are a named bunch of people whose job it is to be creative. You are, of course, one of the people, Mark. Whose job it is to be creative, and the creativity rests with them, which means that the other people who are very, very important in the marketing process—the strategists and the finance people and the and 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 the business uh, guys and so on and so forth—are some people who creativity is done to. If we could have a more holistic, collaborative creative process where everybody was part of the process from the off, and creative ideas could come from all parts of the business, um, would we end up with better products? Well, I think this is this is certainly what each and every one of the attendees of that roundtable was saying at one point or the other, is that collaboration is vital and that in a lot of companies, the culture is not there to foster that collaboration because, as you rightly pointed out, creativity is seen as the marketing department's job or even worse still, the advertising or communications department within the marketing department's job. 
And I mean, Susa talked about that bumping into people in the corridor. She's yeah. not talking about bumping into other people from the marketing department. No. She's talking about bumping into somebody from operations, perhaps. And they've seen the first bit of the ad and perhaps gone, oh, but you know, I'm a working mum. That would be completely irrelevant to me. These are insights that you're not going to get from somebody who's all sitting around a table eating biscuits and drinking soy milk lattes. <laughs> not that I've got anything against a soy milk latte. Um, but if you're in the bubble, yeah. you're only going to get the ideas that are relevant to the people in that bubble. And you're only going to churn out the same stuff over and over again. And it's important to know where the business is going. It's important to know what the people within that business think. And it's important to know what their priorities are. Remember, marketing can't go around writing checks, the rest of the business can't cash. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're over promising something or or stating that the business is one thing when half of the company is pulling in the opposite direction, creativity isn't worth a damn then. The collaboration is absolutely key and they've got to have a culture of collaboration and Dino in particular and Will also from Snap were both huge advocates of the fact that it's got to be collaborative internally. You've got to collaborate with your agencies. Dino also said there that um, too many people try and buy it in. They go yeah. out to the agencies thinking they're buying a bucket of creativity magic potion. Yeah. And that, that doesn't work. Well, that's counter collaborative, isn't it? If you go out and buy creativity, you know, you have to work as a partnership. But my concern is that when that partnership breaks down, and the whole thing ends up just becoming transactional instead of collaborative, then all that happens is that the importance of creativity is suppressed, that people think, well, actually, we can start creativity is a bit of a pain. It doesn't always work for us. It becomes less important. Uh, in fact, the agencies and marketers can concentrate purely on churning stuff out through social, you know, hammering large volumes of digital. And, and actually, we will we'll put less investment and less time uh, and less importance uh, on creativity itself it goes back to the culture idea doesn't it if you're going to outsource something it's not important to you right this is simply how i feel if you're if you are going to outsource the whole thing it's one thing to buy in experience expertise and assistance it's another thing to hand it over now it could be important to you but it's too difficult but then you can argue if it's that important to you, it shouldn't be too difficult. You should be blooming well figuring out how to make it less difficult. Um, agencies are there to learn, lend their expertise, to lend volume of people where you don't have people, to learn new voices where you need new voices. But I think that the impression I got from that round table is as partners, they're there to help you forward your business. They're not there to supplement it. They're there to be part of the become part of your team, aren't they? Rather than to be a sort of arm's length operation that you send a brief to and then pick up, uh, you know, weeks or months later and, and deliver. They 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 have to be used as an integral part of your creative team and your creative process if they're to be used correctly. Is that right? Exactly. And I think one of the important points that was made about the agency relationship is that they also need to understand and to an extent love your business. Because yeah. for the time they are working on your your project or your your creative or your brand over a long period of time, remember there are long-standing agency relationships um, that they become part of your business. And passion 
even for a toothbrush or a piece of, or a loo roll, there's still passion in there. There's still a, a purpose. And as an agency provider, how are they getting behind that passion and purpose to help you build that creativity? They're not doing it for the for the check. These two things aren't mutually exclusive, but they can be used to lighten the load. You know, there's a lot of volume now. We're talking about a lot of volume. There's a lot of uh, conversation in the peaks about the sheer volume that marketing departments are having to deal with now um, as we move from beautiful pieces of art, one-offs uh, that take months to develop and its ideas, and then one piece of absolutely perfect creative at the end to daily, hourly, minutely outputs. But there's also a concern in there that actually this volume is leading to a reduction in, if not quality, but a reduction in overall creativity. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's going to circle right back to what does it mean to be creative? Sure. We're now talking about the difference, I feel, between creativity as a strategic tool and as the foundation, the secret source behind the brand, and creative execution. So the churning out of the volume, TikTok, I will take my teenagers as my focus group of two, um, you know, they're on Snap and TikTok all the time, hungry, ravenous for fresh content. You know, if you haven't given me fresh content in the last day, you're irrelevant. Um, but that isn't repeating or, or generating brand new creative every day. That's taking the creative foundation of what is our brand. So Just Eat would be Snoop, perhaps, and executing that in different ways, providing different snippets. We do have another article in Catalyst talking about the importance of TikTok and what people are expecting from it. They expect irreverence and things to be fun. They don't mind if things are borrowed as long as those things relate to the creative heart of that brand. So you, you establish the creative heart. That's the long, the long piece of work. That's Susan O'Brien's month long briefing process. Then you hand it over to the agencies and go, this has to inform a daily 15 second TikTok entertainment update. Um, you take it to your social media team who you would hope have absorbed your corporate culture and therefore understand your creative direction and say, imbue the way we respond to people who interact with us on Twitter with those words, with the way we talk, which is why I'm so currently so obsessed with Yorkshire Tea and the way that they respond to everything serious and flippant. They have this very central Yorkshire Tea creative backbone, whether they are standing up against racism or suggesting you have a nice cup of tea. So, you know, so I think it's, it's very much that the hard yards are done in that central creative foundation of what is our creative beating heart? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Now, yes, the volume, the, there's a huge pressure with the volume, but if that creative heart is true, then to my mind, it feels like it should be easier to then say, yes, let go. You agencies, you do your jobs. You manage the volume for us. You keep up with that demand. And then it should all be ticking along nicely. It's when, it's when you have to be micromanaging everything because you're not convinced that creative thread 
is true throughout the organization that's when it becomes exhausting and impossible to keep up with which brings us back to a very old but still true uh, piece of advice to marketers which is with an underline under the c cope create once publish everywhere concentrate on the c the create do it once and then use the rest to distribute it so it's not about having to ask for excessive levels of creative it's about making one great idea snoop dogg or uh, Yorkshire teams or whoever it may be, and then using that creative um, piece, if you like, pushing it out through your through your channels. It doesn't mean that because we've got higher volumes, we're going to kill it, which is a probably a bit more a positive take than I took originally. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you don't want nobody wants overkill, do they? They don't want to, you know, be bombarded, and that's that's a different question of marketing altogether. But it is certainly there is a, you're absolutely right there's a huge demand for communication for brands to step up particularly in our current environment even covid accepted brands are expected to be responsive agile clever and creative and if they've got already got that creative collateral within themselves then that responsiveness is going to be faster yeah yeah so not the death of creativity, but just some warning signs, Morag, that we have to be aware of and, and deal with, correct? To be able to deal with, to acknowledge that creativity is not just some mad spark of imagination as you're walking the dog around the park. It is the hard yards. It is weeks and months of work and development and understanding and collaboration. But once that has been put in, you can see the benefits in responsiveness and brand appropriateness, brand voice, customer excitement, all that good stuff. So there you go. There's your call to arms, your call to action. Maura Kurufa-Jones, thank you very much indeed. And to our audience, do get your copy if you're a CIM member of Catalyst. It's fantastic. Not just this piece, but there's loads of great stuff in there. And I do commend it to you. Maura, thanks for your time today. It's been great to have you on the show again. Thanks very much, Ben. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time. CIM Podcasts.